Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Let's turn in the Bible today. Uh, Matthew chapter 22. I'm going to be uh, reading through lots of portions of Scripture just to help us understand uh, today a very important, I think, theme throughout Scripture and an applicable uh, principle for our lives today. Uh, read with me Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. Uh, I have the Scriptures here on the screen for you as well. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And he sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned the city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out to the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there was a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to his attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. And in Revelation chapter 19, I want to turn your attention there as well, verse 7 uh, through 9, it says, Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. I want to preach to you a message today. I believe God gave me this word to share with you this morning. Here comes the bride. If you're taking notes, you can title this message, Here Comes the Bride. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to share uh, your word. I pray that you would speak to us now. God, help us to see that we are the bride of Christ, that you are the bridegroom, and prepare us today and remind us today of the things we need to do to be prepared for the marriage supper of the Lamb. We know it's coming soon, and we are looking for your return in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you so much. Uh, I am come from kind of a loud church. Like he said, I was from South Carolina, and we used to just, you know, just play loud music. My mom was actually hard of hearing, but she was a piano player, so it was always like a few decibels louder than it probably needed to be. So, uh, you know, you can say amen if you like the, the, something that you hear or if you're encouraged by what you hear. Hopefully that we are, amen, thank you. Yeah, you don't have to worry about being loud, you know what I'm saying? My son's in the back there. He might get up and scream a little bit, so just go ahead and shout with him, all right? So uh, also I want to acknowledge my beautiful wife's there in the back as well. And then my other, my other son, Joel, he's over here. So, uh, so glad to have them here. How many of you guys have ever been invited to a wedding? Anybody? You've been invited to a wedding? I'm sure most of us have throughout the years. You get to save the date. And, you know, uh, weddings are very, very exciting. When you get, you know, invited to a wedding, you're, 
you're thinking, oh, this is going to be a great vacation. We're going to have some fun. We're going to get to relax for a few days. Or maybe, you know, it's like, you know, maybe if you're a father in the room, you've paid for a wedding. Anybody ever paid for a wedding? Those are costly. Um, I know some of you. Uh, but, um, you know, if you've been to a wedding, or you've been a part of weddings, you know, they're very, very fun. Uh, they're a great celebration. Everyone's always in a good mood. There's always something, uh, unless you've been to a wedding where they called it off before the, uh, the ceremony. But uh, weddings are always a fun time. And, and I love weddings uh, so much. I believe weddings you know, are really just important. They're still important for today. Sometimes we're like, oh, what is, why we should get married? We just live, you know, together and all that stuff. But I think there's really value behind marriage. I believe marriage is God's design uh, to show us and demonstrate to us our relationship with him, uh, himself. And that's why he's instituted marriage. And so, you know, I, I remember when I got married, we got married, my wife, Sabrina, we got married about uh, 11 uh, years ago, uh, 12 years ago this year in July. And uh, I remember on my wedding day, I was really excited because you know, uh, like all husbands, I was excited about the honeymoon, you know, so like I spent all my time kind of worried about like where we were going to vacation, like we were going to get married in Sarasota. I was like, okay, Siesta Key, and I'm trying to like, you know, pay for that and get the, you know, all the nice roses going and all this stuff. So I'm like preparing the honeymoon suite. I'm like, okay, I got to have the music right. And, you know, I got to have the rose petals down. The state fridge has got to be stocked. I mean, we, we just want to be chilling for a couple of days. It's going to be awesome. And all the married couples, you know, you know, the honeymoon is, is really a great time. And the husbands are always excited about it. But uh, women are also excited about it. I'm not saying you're not, but the, the main thing that really gets the women going is that wedding day. It's that wedding ceremony. It's the, the little details, right? You're stressing over like the menu and like, I don't know, some like trinket that's on the table. And guys were just like, we don't even, you know, I'm worried about what's happening after. How am I going to pay the bills? Like, <laughs> where are we going to live? You know what I mean? Like there's some things that I'm worried about kind of after the, the ceremony. And, and most women are, are worried about kind of just those d- beautiful details of the, of the moment. And, um, you know, my wife, she uh, was also um, kind of stressed out on our wedding day because it was like three o'clock and I was nowhere to be found. Okay, so the wedding ceremony was like 4 o'clock, and so uh, she's like freaking out. Like, my phone's ringing off the hook, and, you know, people thinking, like, she's like, man, is this, like, is this really happening to me? My husband has cold feet on the wedding day. I'm like, no, like, I'm in Siesta Key, about 45 minutes away from the ceremony site, so I'm just like, okay, I got to get back. I'm stressed. I'm sweating. And like all men, I hop in the shower, and I'm out in two minutes dressed in a tux ready to go with time to spare, right? So it's like there was no, like, stress on my end. I'm like, five minutes? Yeah, I'll be ready. Like, you know, like... No problem. So, you know, women take all day to get ready on their wedding day, but it took me about five minutes. I hopped in the shower, and I was there, and obviously we got married, praise God, and we went through with it, and um, it was an incredible celebration. I'll never forget. Um, but isn't that really a picture kind of sometimes of, of, a, of, of us and our relationship with Christ? Uh, we're so concerned with the ceremony. We're concerned, concerned with what's happening that day, maybe the little details of things that ultimately are not necessarily important to a marriage, right? The, what type of menus you had on the table or what type of centerpieces were there. Some of that stuff is great. It's beautiful. I'm not discounting those things. Design is amazing. And I think how you start is a lot of times how you finish. And it really is, is important, the wedding day. I love that. But some of those things are really irrelevant when it comes to how you're going to communicate with one another, right? And how you're going to live with one another. And really, our relationship with Christ, the Bible says in John chapter 14, Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus is thinking about the eternal. We're thinking about 
the temporal, the things of just today. We're so sometimes just concerned about how we're going to pay the bills or, you know, does, does this business deal work out or how am I, what am I going to do with my retirement or, you know, is this relationship going to work out or, you know, am I going to pass the seventh grade or am I going to get through this college course? And sometimes we're so focused and stressed and worried and, and bogged down and distracted by just some of the temporal things that we go through in life. And Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Like, Jesus... This picture of marriage, Jesus is our fiancé, if you will. We've been betrothed. We've been engaged to Christ. If we've come to Christ, we are now engaged. And Jesus says, I'm going back to the Father, and I'm going to prepare a place for you, this mansion. I'm going to get a home for you, and I'm going to bring you back to be with me, to be with myself. And so we need to be preparing ourselves in Revelation uh, 19 and 21 and 22 here for the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's what Jesus said in this wedding feast in Matthew 22. He says, the kingdom of God is like a wedding feast. It's like a reception. It's like a ceremony. It's like all of the beautiful things we're going to be celebrating in heaven someday with God himself. It's not going to just be about streets of gold. It's not just going to be about walls of jasper. It's not just going to be about the crystal sea or the old song Beulah Land. We're just going to be walking through the fields. Uh, We're going to be in the presence of God, and we're going to be betrothed to Christ. Amen. How wonderful heaven is going to be because we are going to experience uh, perfection in the righteousness of God. We're going to become like God. He's going to make us his bride. How wonderful is that? We're going to experience his glory. We're going to spend forever in his presence. We're going to see him face to face. We're going to be in love with him. We're going to experience such a closeness and intimacy with God. How divine and how wonderful this experience is. And I don't think we've even entered into our minds. The Bible says in Colossians 3, that's why we've got to start to start thinking about eternal things. If we'll think about eternal things, uh, we'll be able to get through some of the temporal things. And it's not just about being so heavenly minded that you know earthly good. You know, some people are like, well, I just can't wait to get to heaven. I'm not even going to worry about saving. I'm not going to worry about, you know, paying this bill. Like, I'm just going to sit out by the church and wait. You know, in, in 1988, you heard about 88 reasons why Jesus come back in 18, 1988. Uh, no one knows the time when Jesus is coming back, but uh, we've got to be eternally minded, obviously. But that's going to help us be a lot more earthly uh, effective. Colossians 3, verse 2 through 4, he says, Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. Ephesians 5, uh, 31, Paul quotes Genesis, and he says, For this reason, a man should leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. The two will become one. They will become one flesh. And watch this in verse 32. He says, This is a profound mystery, what I'm talking about and what I'm saying. It refers to Christ and the church. Paul is talking about Christ and the church when he's talking about this idea of marriage. In the beginning, Genesis chapter 2, we see a marriage between Adam and Eve. We see God saying it's not good for man to be alone. He needs a woman to complete him. I want to demonstrate a relationship of marriage that reflects who I am. Revelation chapter 22, the last book in the Bible, we see a marriage. (laughs) We see a wedding feast, and we see the Bible says the spirit and the bride say come. The Bible says that heaven, the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem is coming down as a bride is adorned for her husband. This picture of marriage, this picture of a wedding celebration is seen all throughout Scripture. It is literally the story of the Bible. The Bible is a love letter of God himself 
giving you a glimpse of his love for you and his plan to reconcile creation to himself. We see this all throughout Colossians 1, that God's plan is to reconcile everyone to himself, and God is going to complete that at the marriage supper of the Lamb. 2 Corinthians eleven two, God says, For I have a jealous God. I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste husband, or chaste virgin, I'm sorry, to Christ. Later in this passage, in Matthew 22, we just read, we talked about the parable of the wedding feast there that Jesus is telling. He's like, this is what the kingdom of God is like. It's like a wedding feast, you know. And so later on, a couple verses later, the Pharisees are like, well, listen, if you've been married two or three times, uh, which husband is going to be yours or which wife is going to be yours on, you know, the the resurrection day? When you get to heaven, who's going to be your real, like your favorite wife, you know? And uh, Jesus was like, I don't think you understand the kingdom. And you don't understand what marriage and the kingdom of God is like. He says, when you get to heaven, there's going to be no marriage. There will be no weddings. There will be no marriage or giving in marriage. It doesn't matter if you were married three times. When you get to heaven, your, your bridegroom or your groom is Christ. And you are the bride, is what he was saying. That there's no marriage in heaven. You'll be like the angels, and we are all going to be married to Christ only. So maybe you're in the room today. You've been, you're single. You've been divorced. You're widowed. You've been remarried. You've... Uh, been married two or three times. Who knows where the journey you've been on, but when you get to heaven, our goal is Christ. Our goal is Jesus. Our relationship, our marriage is Christ. We will know, obviously, others, and we'll, the uh, Bible says we'll know as we're known. We'll remember. We'll see people. And we will celebrate together, but we'll all be betrothed to Christ. What a wonderful experience that we would share this relationship of intimacy with him. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, This is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. God is preparing this place. Jesus has gone back to the Father to prepare a place for us. And it hasn't even entered into our minds the things that he's prepared for us. Marriage was designed by God to demonstrate God's divine purpose for our lives and that is to be partakers of the divine nature, to be eternally wed to Christ. How wonderful is that? It's a new thought for us sometimes, especially as men. We're like, I'm not a bride. No, we are the bride of Christ. We have to take on this role of submission to him, and we submit our lives to him. We have relationship with him forever. I want to give you a couple tips today, just a couple of practical tools that we can walk out of here with. Uh, They're nothing necessarily new. Uh, Maybe just a reminder to you, but if you will, kind of let me be your wedding planner today and give you a few wedding tips uh, for how to prepare yourself or prepare ourselves as the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And how do we prepare ourselves for this marriage supper of the Lamb? Uh, A couple points for you. Um, The date is booked. Father knows the hour. Not only, Jesus doesn't even know the hour. The Father only himself or the Godhead knows the hour that he'll return. The venue's booked. Heaven is going to be the celebration. It's going to be wild. It's going to be awesome. And the guests have all been invited in Matthew 22. All the world will hear the gospel, is hearing the gospel. The Bible says that every tongue, tribe, and nation will be represented in heaven. Everyone's been invited. You've been invited today. How do we prepare ourselves as the bride of Christ? Number one, get a wedding dress. Any women out there today, you've been married, you are married, you remember that wedding dress. You've got to get a wedding dress if you're going to get married. <laughs> 
And you've got to, that's probably usually the first thing that a, a woman thinks about when she gets proposed. She's like, okay, the dress. You know, it's like, who cares where the venue is, all this other stuff, you know, the, the trinkets, the menus, and whatever. But the wedding dress is so important. What are we going to wear? You can't show up to a wedding without a wedding garment. You see this in Matthew chapter 22. When we just read through this parable that, you know, the, the, the king is, is throwing this feast, this marriage feast for his son. And uh, towards the end there, verse uh, 12 to 14, 11 through 14, he says that you've got on this, you don't have a wedding garment on. How did you even get in here? He's like, get this guy out of here. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't just show up to a wedding at the breakers in some flip-flops and sandals and a Tommy Bahama shirt. You know what I mean? Like, you got to be dressed to the nines. And the Bible says in Isaiah 64, 6, that our righteousness is as filthy rags. And that filthy rags word is a Hebrew word, bagad adim. And the Hebrew that is not necessarily about like moldy dish rags, because when we think rags, we're like, okay, moldy dish rags. No, it's not moldy dish rags. It's more closer to clothing and a garment that we wear. And that clothing is, is dirty. And that clothing is a sinful nature. It's a body. It's a, it's a sinful flesh that we have to change. And that garment has to be the cloth, the, the cloth or the righteousness of God. And that's how we get there. Matthew 22, um, we see this. In Galatians 3, 27, we see this. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ, he says. Amen. Put on Christ. Isaiah 61 and 10, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. Do you have that scripture as well? Isaiah 61, 10, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom, listen to this, decks himself with ornaments as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. Some of our scriptures are out of order. It's okay. Totally my fault. Uh, when you get the notes to the note person at the last minute, it's totally my fault, not theirs. Let's give a hand for Mung over there on the uh, lyrics. Isn't that awesome? We've got a lot of great people serving so that we can all kind of follow along together. Uh, we've got to have a garment of salvation, a robe of righteousness. Uh, verse, 20, uh, verse 11 here, Matthew 22, our main scripture, he talks about this garment that you don't have this wedding garment, right? And that word garment in verse 11 is enduma in the Greek. Let's see that together. Enduma in the Greek. Uh, it's used seven times in the book of Matthew. It's the same word also used in Matthew 28 when Jesus rises from the dead. The Bible says that when he was seen by the soldiers and seen, he was, his appearance was like lightning was this very bright light. His clothes were white as snow. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? When Jesus rose from the dead, he had on this, this heavenly garment. He had on this cloak, if you will, of righteousness. And it was a wedding garment. What happened in the Gospels when you see the disciples actually go into the tomb? They go into the tomb, and what did they find? The grave clothes of Jesus folded, lying there in the tomb. The angel said, he's not here. He says, why are you weeping over him? Jesus changed his clothes. When Jesus came out of that tomb, he was wearing a tux, if you will. He had his wedding garment on. He said, I am the bridegroom, and I'm preparing myself for a bride. 
and his grave clothes were in the tomb. And it wasn't that Jesus needed to be saved. Jesus conquered death and became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. He was demonstrating to us that our clothes have to change. Our nature has to change. And he, in that moment, was really the resurrected Lord. And he had lived in the flesh, but he was getting ready for a wedding feast. And he was dressed to the nines. And that's the garment that we have to wear if we're going to get into heaven. We have to change our sinful nature. We have to get fitted. We have to go through that same process of burial, death, and resurrection. That's what a symbol of baptism really is. It's a picture of us dying the same death that Christ died and rising again to newness of life. And you say, well, I don't even feel any different. I'm wearing the same actual clothes. But really, it's about our bodily clothes. It's about our flesh. It's about our flesh dying, our sinful nature dying so that we can come out and be betrothed to Christ, put our wedding garment on. That's the only way we can get ready for this marriage supper of the Lamb. The only way we'll be in heaven is to change our clothes and to be wearing that wedding dress, the cloak and the the clothes of righteousness. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5, 2 through 4 says this, we grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies, we will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan inside, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. We're not talking about just the clothes we wear. We're talking about the, 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 the man and the spirit and the flesh. We're saying, God, I've got to put on a new clothing. I've got to put on a new garment. Um, put on the new nature in Colossians 3.10 and be renewed as you learn to know your creator. And I love this. And become like him. Let me read that one more time. Colossians 3, verse 10. You can read that uh, whole chapter at home if you can. It'll tell you about what that looks like to wear the clothing of Christ. Uh, But Colossians 3 and 10, he says, put on the new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. How powerful is that? Uh, You know, when I was a kid, I don't know about you, but we was, I mean, I was raised in the, you know, in the country. And uh, as you can tell from my accent, but uh, I had a really great mom and she's wonderful. And uh, she was always, you know, doing everything around the house. She did all the chores. She cooked all the food, and she, you know, would have work a job, too, with my dad working. So it was like she was doing so many. How many? Shout out to all the moms out there doing the most, okay, and taking care of the home and, and cooking the food and uh, keeping kids uh, fed and happy and also maybe working a job. It's just it's unbelievable what women are able to do. Um, but so that was my mom. She was just an incredible mom. And, and one of the things she just was like, you know what? I'm just tired of it. I'm done. Like, you guys are going to do your own laundry, okay, like from now on. This is like early on. I think I was in like probably third grade, and she's like, you got to do your own laundry. I was like, what? Like, where are my socks? You know, like they're all dirty. So she's like, here's the washer. Here's the dryer. Here's the laundry detergent. Put that in there. Push this button, and then you just take care of yourself. So I was like, I was doing laundry, Pastor Steve, like, at like six years old. It was crazy. Like, I mean, I couldn't even do, you know, a simple math equation, and I'm over here doing laundry. And so I remember like, you know, putting like the towels just in too, you know, with, with all my clothes. And so how many of you know when you put towels in with all your clothes, uh, you're going to get a bad result because once you put it in the dryer, there's all these like lint and all these little fuzzies show up. So, you know, I'm in like, I don't know, sixth grade or something. And I show up to school with this sweater because it's kind of cold. And I've got all these like, it's a black sweater, by the way, with like white little fuzzies all over the sweater. And it's just like, I look ridiculous. Okay. So I show up to school and this girl, she's like, 
she's like, oh, man, like, what are all these fuzzies? She's like pulling them off me, you know? It's like, oh, are you okay? Like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, you know, I just wash my towels with my sweater. And she's like, ew, who does their own laundry? You know, and like walks off like as if, you know? And um, I felt really embarrassed. I was like, am I like, you know, I don't know, am I poor? Like, am I a bad person? Like, do I not know? Like, do I not have someone to do laundry for me? Like, I don't have a butler, you know? Um, but really, it was this picture that when we're left to do our own laundry, especially at a young age or especially someone that's under-equipped, uh, we're going to make those mistakes. And that's, it's in some way, a, a small picture of what it means to be kind of trying to be clothed in our own righteousness, that our own righteousness is filthy rags. It's it's us trying to do our own laundry. It's us trying to clean up our act, clean up our sin, clean up our things. Sometimes we say, well, I'm going to come to Christ when I, I kind of get some things in order. Or maybe, you know, you are in some situations where you're like, listen, I, we, we, we're already living in sin. Or, you know, I've already committed these things. Or I'm already committed to this, you know, sin, sinful lifestyle. There's some things in my life that I need to fix first. And that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about you putting the barriers in between you and God because we feel like we've got to, make it right. Pastor Steve's going to be talking about that hopefully over the next couple of weeks. He's been sharing that. He's going to be talking about us trying to do more, and it's really about us investing more and saying, God, I'm going to release that. I don't need the righteousness of myself. I need the righteousness of Christ. Amen. Secondly, uh, moving on here, obviously we need a wedding dress. That is the righteousness of Christ. We need to be born again, change our clothes, and wear the righteousness of Christ. But secondly, we need to get in shape. Get in shape. Is that up there on the screen? Awesome. Get in shape. You know, how many out there, you bought a wedding dress, ladies, and uh, it was probably a size, like, smaller. You know what I mean? Sometimes you do that just getting ready, and uh, you're like, well, listen, I'm going to get in shape in nine months. I'm going to get ready. I'm going CrossFit, Peloton, the whole thing. And so uh, what you got to do is you got to actually fit into the dress. The worst thing to do is buy a wedding dress and not be able to fit into it, you know? So you've got to get in shape if you're getting ready for a wedding. And... Um, how do we do that as Christians? And, and what am I really talking about? I'm talking about uh, changing our diet, right? I mean, you know, you can lift all you want. You can bench press 500 pounds. But if your diet doesn't change, come on, somebody, you're going to be kind of flabby or you're going to have, you know, just a little bit of bulk or you're not really going to get toned and the, the muscle's not going to really get there. The, your body's not going to get the nutrients it needs to build the muscle, right? If you just work out and eat Doritos all day, come on, somebody, you're not going to be strong. It's about changing your diet. All the dietitians and all the trainers will tell you this. Diet is everything. And for us, what is that diet that needs to change? It's about what we consume. It's about what we're putting in to our bodies. And the Bible, Jesus says that um, it's not about what comes out of him into a man that defiles him. It's about what comes out of him. And really what you've got to do is when you squeeze a fruit or an orange, you should be getting orange juice, right? <laughs> And so when you squeeze a Christian, what should you be getting? Orange juice, yes. <laughs> you should be getting the fruit of the Spirit. And we should be seeing your life be something that is filled with the Word of God. Ephesians 5 and 26 and 27, watch this. He says, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's Word, he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish, Instead, she will be holy and without fault. It's the washing of the water of the Word. It's about getting in shape. It's about, you know, really cleansing ourselves and getting ready for this wedding feast, for this marriage supper of the Lamb. You say, well, I've got to actually start to change 
myself. And it's not something that we do on the outward. It's something we do on the inward. And how do we get change on the inward? It's about getting the Word of God. The Bible says in the Psalms, he says, I've hidden your Word in my heart so that I won't sin against you. And so our, 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 our holiness, our sanctification, if you will, how we get closer to Christ and how we start to, to change and grow in Christ is through a diet of the Word. And that's how we get the results of the fruit of the Spirit. You know, my sons, two of them in the back, I think they're being pretty rowdy, but uh, they love fruit. And that's probably why they're so rowdy, because they're always hopped up on sugar. But it's not like candy sugar. It's like fruit sugar, okay? So it's like even more concentrated. You know, it's just like a whole thing of grapes all in one sitting. You know, like we'll actually go to Publix or Whole Foods, and we'll come back with like bags and bags of food. You know, there's meats and there's eggs and all this stuff. And my son will be like, oh, grapes. You, got, you guys got grapes. It's like, no, we didn't even get grapes this time, but I guess that's like what he equates Publix with grapes or like it's like grapes, pineapples, watermelon, blueberries, apples. That's it. Like that's that's a steady diet of just like what you need to live. And so my sons are obsessed with fruit. They just they, they're not worried about salt. They're not worried about seasoning. They don't care about flour. They're not interested in eggs and milk. They're worried about the fruit. They see the fruit. They see grocery bags. They think fruit. And really, that's what people see when they see a Christian. They're not worried about what church you go to, what theology you believe. Uh, you know, they're not worried about who your favorite preacher is. They're not worried about how good you dress. They want to see the fruit. And they do see your fruit, right? When you go to the restaurant today after church, the waitress or the waiter is going to see your fruit. When you go to work on Monday morning, you boss is going to see your fruit. Your coworkers are going to see your fruit. You're, you're going to see fruit. And I hope that our heart is to say, well, listen, how do I get this fruit of the Spirit? It's through the Word of God being our diet. It's about saying every single day, I'm going to have a steady diet of the Word of God. And it's not just for head knowledge. I think sometimes we think, well, I'm going to go to a Bible study, and I want to hear more about the Word of God, and I'm interested in this and that. And there's some great things to learn about the Scripture, and we have Bible studies here that happen on campus, 930. There's a Bible study. Pastor Gary is, is teaching that, and there's so many other great Bible teachers in the room that are part of that. All of our life groups are basically Bible studies. It's about getting deeper in the Word of God. But it's not just about learning facts. So you can be like, well, that's really interesting that in Bible times, you know, Peter was on this, uh, or Paul was on this missionary journey, and he stopped over there. And, you know, it's like some of those things are great. It's, it helps to bring context. But it's, it, the point of Bible study is not to just gain head knowledge. It's for us to become like Christ. The point of us getting the Word into us is so that we can actually live this life out. We can actually become more like Jesus because he is the word of God. Amen. I know that encouraged you today. Hopefully we can say, listen, I've got to have more of the word of God. I want to see the fruit of God in my life. Well, I've got to put the word of God first. It's not just about listening, maybe even to sermons. And maybe you listen to this sermon today and you're like, well, that's great. Praise God for that. But if you don't Monday through Sunday, open that word. It's just you listening to a sermon. And nothing wrong with podcasts. I listen to podcasts every week. I listen to other sermons. I listen to Pastor Steve's sermon twice every Sunday. Uh, we, you know, we, we, we're always, you guys are here. You're doing the, the, the first step. But don't get me wrong today. Let's have a personal relationship with the Word, and let's start opening it every single day. That's how we're going to get in shape. Amen. Um, thirdly, lastly, we've got to put on the oil. We've got to get oiled up. Okay. So when you're getting ready for a wedding, the bride's got to get that dress. She's got to get fitted. 
She's got to get in shape. She's trying to eat right. And then, you know, she's got to get the manicure. She's got to get the pedicure. She's got to get the facial. She's got to get, you know what I'm saying? You're getting like, I don't know, like all types of weird stuff. You just rollers and, you know, like the shaving. I mean, there's a bunch of things that women do. I don't want to get into it today, but you guys can all imagine. The thing is, get yourself, get the skin taken care of. You know what I'm saying? Like all the ladies in here, you've got your creams and all these other things. These are great. These are great things, okay? So we need these things. And really... What we're talking about when we say getting oiled up or putting on the oil, it's, it's a scriptural reference. And the oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And we don't just need to recite facts and say, well, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and I've confessed my sin, and now I'm going to go to church and read the Word. And there's something that we're still lacking, and it's really prayer and communion with the Holy Spirit, God himself. Uh, the Bible says in Proverbs 20, 27, the spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord, or the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit or the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I love this. God desires communion and fellowship even now with you. How many of you, if you got engaged and you were getting married a year later, you would just get engaged, be all excited about the ring, and then just go hang out with your friends and never talk to your fiance for a whole year. You'd be like getting to the altar and not even knowing the person that you're married. Now, sometimes that happens, and we're talking about being betrothed to Christ, and obviously Jesus is at the, uh, in heaven right now, and he's preparing a place for us. So how are we able to build a relationship with him if he's, if he's there and I'm here? Well, he gave us his Holy Spirit. And we have an opportunity to get close to God, to know God himself, to know the nature of God when we have communion and fellowship with him. Uh, I won't read this entire scripture to save you time, but Matthew 25, a few chapters later, Jesus tells another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like 10 virgins who went out to meet the bridegroom. It says five of them are foolish and five were wise, right? And the five foolish ones didn't bring any oil with them with their lamps, the the, the wise ones brought oil with their lamps. And when the bridegroom came, uh, the, the girls said, that, well, listen, we don't have any oil. Can you give us some? And the wise said, no, we don't have any oil to share with you. We just brought enough for ourselves. And so they said, go back to town and buy some. So the foolish uh, virgins, they went and bought some oil in town. Then the bridegroom comes, and it was too late, and they were left outside the door. The Bible says they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth when that happens, because we don't know the day or the hour. We need to stay ready. we got to have oil for our lamp. And really what that's talking about is it's about having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's about having relationship with God. you got to have the Holy Spirit in you, and you've got to be born again. You've got to be regenerated by the Holy Spirit in order to make it to the wedding feast. Amen? We're not going to go to heaven without the power of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5, 4 through 5. I read this earlier, but I'm going to read this next verse in this part. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 4 through 5. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan inside. It's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us, but rather we want to put on new bodies that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. And verse 5 says this, God himself has prepared us for this and as a guarantee has given us his Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is a guarantee that we have an invita invitation to the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's a guarantee that we are God's children. That's how you know that you're saved, is do you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you? 
You can't say that Jesus Christ is not Lord without the Holy Spirit. When you become saved and you confess Jesus as Lord and you repent of your sin and you ask him into your life and you say, I want to be a follower of Jesus, in that moment, the Holy Spirit regenerates your heart and you become a child of God. It's only possible by the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, that God gave us a part of himself he gave us his very nature, his very Holy Spirit to live with us so that we might have relationship with him until he comes. Amen. How amazing is that? Now, I don't know if there's any business owners in the room. I know there's a few and some of you own businesses. Maybe you deal with contracts or you deal with, you know, uh, getting hired for a job or whatnot. And um, I just made a rule like after my first couple of years of doing business, I was like, because I own an entertainment company and you know, I just don't take people seriously until there's a deposit down. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like I'll be go going to a walkthrough to a venue, and I'm, like, drawing up all these plans, and you've got, you know what I'm talking about? It's just like, oh, you're doing all this extra work, and, you know, you've got the calendar going. You're like, all right, I can't wait. Let's talk more. Yeah, they want a second call, follow-up call, and you're doing a consultation thing, and you've wasted now three or four days, and then five days later you get ghosted, and it's like, oh, sorry, we're going in another direction. You're just like. You know, all that work for nothing. So now, I mean, I give people the price and I give people the, the solution and we wait for the deposit. Because if there's no deposit, the job is not guaranteed. You know, I don't clear my calendar until I see the deposit. And that's really what the Holy Spirit is. He is a deposit, the Bible says, guaranteeing our inheritance. It's guaranteed that we're going to heaven when the Holy Spirit comes to reside with us, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that he says with our spirit, Abba, Father, and we become children of Almighty God. What a powerful experience when we say, I'm going to put on the clothes of Christ. I'm going to put on the clothing of righteousness. My nature is going to be different. I don't now lean on my own understanding. I don't lean on my own righteousness, my own good deeds or good works or my own religion. I'm going to put on the, the clothing of Christ. I want that wedding dress. And maybe you say, well, now I'm going to get into the Word. I'm going to get in shape. and I'm going to read the Word. I'm going to get the Word inside of me. I'm going to use the Word of God to become more like Christ. And lastly, I've got to pray. And we're talking about prayer here is what we're talking about. We're talking about this very basic principle of like, I've got to talk to God. I've got to talk to the Holy Spirit. I've got to let the Holy Spirit talk to me. I've got to understand that I'm just, I'm in relationship with God. I can't worry about, it. did my grandmother know Jesus, or does my mom know Jesus, or my wife know Jesus? I've got to know Jesus for myself. And how do we know Jesus? Practically today, it's by communion and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We're talking about prayer. We're talking about saying, I'm going to make prayer a priority. I'm going to make the Word of God a priority. I'm going to do it for myself. Amen. I'm going to be someone that's preparing myself as a bride for the husband. His name is Jesus. As the band comes up, I want to close this sermon. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.